With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Uh, yes, sports radio's on. Talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on. From the NFL to the NBA. MLB and college hoops do it all day. College football, we know who's number one. Understand, on the phones, you know we get it done. So call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Talking sports, uh. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show, the Saturday version of Ray and Tay Today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and we are elite. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, your emails, Today at gmail.com, the website, rayandtaytoday.com, very interactive. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We've got a lot going on, YouTube. Check us out. Ray, before we get into the, to the, to the little rewind of the Sweet 16, eh, not much to talk about. And the preview of the Elite Eight, we've got NBA, some NFL rules changes, RG3, MLB, some news. But I got to ask you about this real quick. Two upsets in women's college basketball. They, uh, what is it? South Carolina and Notre Dame get knocked out. UConn is playing now. What are your thoughts about the women's college basketball? We got to give them some love and some light as well. We do. And in that scenario, it just gets easier for UConn. Yeah. You know, you'd want UConn to have to face some tough teams, and Stanford and South Carolina historically have been tough teams. South Carolina was giving them a run for the money, you know, through most of the year. Obviously, they beat them down in Columbia earlier this year, but you know what? This just means that Brianna Stewart looks like she's going to be the four-time champ, four-time MOP. She's got to go down as the best college player in history. We'll talk about it next week, but do you realize – I just saw the stat. Do you realize that UConn lost – in 2013 to Notre Dame. And since that loss, they're 118 and 1. That's like you got to respect that. You got to respect that. And listen, their point guard, too, she's been there the whole There's three players, but the point guard, she's been there setting up Stewart and, and setting up the defense the whole way. UConn's one of the best defensive teams. Syracuse got that huge upset yesterday in the women's side. And you know what? South Carolina, the women, they, they have trouble scoring, and I guess it finally caught up to them and kind of, you know, bit them in the butt, and they, they, they got upset. But let's get to the men. That was uh, an interesting, I would say, Sweet 16, not so dramatic, maybe two really close games. Let's start with last night and obviously the, the closest game, Notre Dame. I think we both picked it, taking care of Wisconsin. 
And like I said last on, on Monday's show, Demetrius Jackson would be the key. And boy, Rex, when you get, what, two steals and eight points and just the way that he came through in the clutch, you got to feel like Mike Bray kept, keeps saying they're a team of destiny, but it's all about Demetrius Jackson coming through in the clutch in a 61-56 win. What would you think about a game where, what, 33 minutes Wisconsin had the lead and number six, Notre Dame, finally takes down number seven, Wisconsin, to make the ACC 4-0 and yesterday, Ray. I feel like Wisconsin got Wisconsin. Because they're usually the team that just hangs tight and hangs close and then eventually, you know, pulls away and out executes you. But this team was just fantastic. Uh, Notre Dame, that is, stayed close. Apparently, Mike Bray got injured. You heard he injured his calf. He did. (laughs) Yeah. So, good for them. Good for Notre Dame. They played, you know, a a really – I got to think that's a character-building game. And we'll talk about the matchups in the next round. But you know what? Notre Dame's playing with a lot of confidence. And, and frankly, Wisconsin had a great season. So, so give them credit. But Wisconsin's got to say – got to be heartbroken. And they got to be saying to themselves, you know what, we could have made it to the next round. But if you really, really look at it, Wisconsin could have lost either of their first two games. You know what I mean? They oh, could have lost their first rounder against Pitt. They could have lost their second rounder. So they, they, they took those two crazy uh, threes by Koenig. By Koenig. Um, yeah. so and he missed a big shot teams, this game. He missed that big yeah, shot. Yeah, both of these teams – were they played above their heads. Let's be honest. Above their heads, exactly. They're, they're, look, a, a six seed in the in the Elite Eight is is very impressive. Yeah, and without Bo Ryan and them getting as far as they did, I think Wisconsin they sort of uh, they maximized. I think their season. Look, they went further in the tournament than uh, what any other Big Ten team, and better than Michigan State. So you got to give them the credit. Now let's talk about the other close game last night, man. Gonzaga. Look, they go into the half with the one-point lead, and Syracuse played horrible. And so in my mind, I felt like that played into Syracuse being able to probably win the game. Then Gonzaga gets control of the game again in the second half. And I think – I'm glad Syracuse won because, look, the refs messed up with the Cooney call. He didn't step out of bounds. And when you see the way that they hustle and the way that they play – I got to give Bayheim a lot of credit. Look, you know, they, they took the ban last year and then he got suspended for what, nine games this year. So, I mean, he knew that he had a team coming in of, of good players and, you know, the players that they already had. And he's really maximized. They're probably not a 10 seed. Let's be fair, maybe a seven or an eight, but it doesn't matter. They have gotten to the elite eight and great for the ACC, but even better for Bayheim and Syracuse. And it all goes into the legend of his uh, coaching career. 63-60, Sabonis and Wiltshire, they keep their heads up high. Great game and a better win for Syracuse. Absolutely. And I think that Syracuse plays its best, and this plays right into Beheim's lap when he's the underdog. When he's the guy that walks in there, that all shucks, that, oh, we're not playing like the old Syracuse teams of old. This is not the Carmelo Anthony 2003 teams. This is not Ronnie Cycli, Derek Colvin, Sherman Douglas, Howard Church. This is just not even John Wallace, you know, the 96 team that goes to the finals. 
Yeah. This is just that all shucks, you know, nobody's expecting you, you much from us. You don't buy that humble, humble pie? You don't buy the humble exactly. pie? No, no. He's Just like, you know, it's funny, just like his boy. I didn't realize he and Mark Few were such good friends. So just like he said, he said, you get the grumpy, ornery guy on TV, but he's really not like that. Bayheim is witty. He's fun to be around. <laughs> oh, he's he's great. He's great. And how about yeah, your boy? Abinaje, 20 points, Ray. He's he's going out like a he's star. Nice. You know, he's a Duke transfer, right? He was he was originally yeah. playing at Duke, and he decided to, to go back to uh, you know the, uh, New York State. But I tell you what, we got to talk about the ACC. I don't remember, and even we got to look back at the brackets, but even 1985 when you had Georgetown, Villanova, and St. John's, I don't great. remember a bracket – just being dominated by the ACC. I mean, the ACC is guaranteed to have a team in, you know, two teams in the final four and one team in the final. That's crazy. Yeah. I, it and is ACC crazy. apparently makes $40 million from this. So if you wanted Good to know man. why college sports is big business, well, having four teams in the Elite Eight gives you $40 million for the conference. <laughs> Listen, everybody uh, has been debating different things uh, lately about, you know, money and coaching and paying them and free agency and players transferring and coaches. Look, don't let anybody fool you. These schools get paid and make tons of money, tons of money. So props to them. Congrats to Syracuse. Great season for Gonzaga. Now let's talk about this number one seed, UVA, Ray. I got to tell you, the one thing I, I really have noticed about them, and we've been saying it on the show, 84-71 win, but this team, that's the key right there, 84. This team is not, you know, the couple years Bennett's defensive guys, Gill and, 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 and Brogdon, they, these guys are scoring now. I mean, and then you have the big guy off the bench. I got to give UVA a lot of credit because, they're putting, the, I mean, 45 points at the half, that's a lot, you know, and they're scoring baskets. Their defense is tough. Iowa State, and we both knew this, they, they just, they don't even, they don't believe in defense. It's like they're allergic to it. They're like, I'm sure the defense weather. They sneeze it off. And I think they maximize their season. George Miang. You know what a way to go out. Yeah, he had a great senior year. He had thirty and eight. Led him to yeah, yeah. you know the Sweet Sixteen. Very he didn't have very nice. It's just him and Morris. I don't think the rest of the team is great. I think they maximized this season. Good, good for them. And you know, but UVA, you got to believe they're on their way to the Final Four, unless Syracuse can really figure something out. And we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But great win for UVA, and then. Our Tar Heels, we hate to be biased, but we have to be, and it's a celebration. Tay always says they win in spite of Roy Williams. I think it's the system, but you know what? I got to even give Roy some credit, and I think this team is so balanced, so many guys in double figures. I mean, look, in college basketball, when you can put up 101 points and you're only giving up 86 you're dominant, and I think North Carolina was completely dominant. I mean, they kind of punched Indiana in the face. They brought it down to 11, little, you know, time left. Yogi was a hero to most. All the fans were chanting for Yogi Ferrell. He had a great career at Indiana. Crane's got nothing to be ashamed of. They, look, they did a great job, but Ray, 
when Paige is going off 12 points in like the first couple of minutes and hitting all them threes and Jackson is doing it. And then you got, you know, Meeks and Bryce is just, how good to you, how, Bryce Johnson. I mean, he's got to be playing himself to at least, I would say, a late first-round pick. Everybody was projecting him to the second-round pick, but Ray, no, Bryce no, no. Johnson. He's, he's a lottery, he's pick. A lottery, Bryce a lottery pick. pick. Bryce Johnson's a lottery pick. He's going to go between and 10. 15. Yeah, he's not projected in the lottery, though. If you look at different sites. No, he sites. is on a couple of boards. I see yeah, him projected in the lottery. All five starters, double figures, but Bryce Johnson, to me, man, a stud. But you got to like that. You got 20, 15, 14, 21, 14. We well, have look, Indiana's another team that they're better this year, but consistently Tom Crean's teams don't play much defense. They have been in the second half of the season. Uh, but this is a game where if Carolina shoots well, and, and at one point they were like 10 for – uh, 13 or something like that from three. If Carolina right. shoots well, they can't they're unbeatable they, they can't win. because you know they have the size and you know they can score inside. They led the nation in front court scoring. So you just can't – you've got to pick your poison. And if your poison is letting them shoot from the outside and they hit them, then it's going to be a long night, a long And, and this is the night. right poison to pick. I mean, as any coach, you would pick that poison because they've been – Yeah, they, they're not a good – you know, they're a below-average three-point shooting team. They're not exceptional. But where they kill you is Meeks and Johnson and Hicks and, and Jackson up front. Yeah. So, Carolina, give them credit. They jumped on Indiana, and at no point in time did you think that Indiana was going to win this game. I mean, yeah. it was just Carolina all day. And when Marcus Page hits six of nine from threes, Ooh. it's a long night. It's really – it's, it's, it's a wrap. Right? Even though it's four years, he passes Jordan, what, uh, 12th on the all-time scoring 12th list. 12th on the all-time list. So that's, congrats, that's impressive. It is impressive, and congrats to him. You know, it, it, it's going to be hard to not see this team, you know, advance and, and definitely be in the Final Four. So, Thursday night, we had some – disappointing games. We'll start with uh, Oklahoma. The one thing I'll say this, I think without question, Shavano, a.k.a. Buddy Heald, is the player of the year. And what I respect about him, even when he's not having a great game, which he didn't have, it was Woodard and Spangler and Cousins struggles. You know, he had a good game. But Buddy, he still is involved, and he's, he's sort of a decoy he still plays some defense. He does what he needs to. And then he, he's a quiet scorer. I mean, you could look up and think he doesn't have a great game. And then you're like, oh, wow, he's got 15 or he's got 18 or he's got 25. You know what I mean? 77-63. A&M, I think the Northern Iowa win took a lot out of them. I think they might have just – they hit a wall of a team that's a little bit more talented. And that three-guard monster, when Jordan Woodard gets going and Cousins didn't have a great game, but he plays good D – but they've got multiple ball handlers. You know, it's just a lot to handle. And Spangler and the boys, I, I got to give Oklahoma a lot of credit. They advance. They take care of Texas A&M. And um, they are elite, Ray. What would you think about that one? Yeah, I think you said it all. The one thing I'll say about Oklahoma is this type of game is good for them. A game where Buddy Hill doesn't dominate offensively where they need to get contributions from Spangler and, and Woodard. And, you know, these guys have talent. You know, it's funny because Cousins played terribly. So if I told yeah. you that Cousins would <laughs> score two 
and Heald would score 17, you'd be like, we might be in trouble. We might be in trouble. But you know what? They got contributions from everybody else. They held Texas A&M to 63. And I I like Buddy Heald's game in the fact that he doesn't force shots. Sometimes he takes contested shots, but I feel like that's part of his game. He's such an unbelievable shooter, led the nation in three-pointers made. He takes shots. He's always involved. He's back-cutting. He's playing D. He's rotating. So, you're right. Player of the year. It's close. Denzel Valda had a great year. It's too bad he lost in the first round because I'd love to see what he could do as a senior in the tournament, just like yeah. Buddy Heald is a senior. George but Niang the is a senior. just went in, I think, yesterday or the day before. So I mean, It'll be but... Buddy Heald. It'll be Buddy Heald. But I think Denzel will be a close second. Uh, but good, good for Oklahoma. I think this is a good – strong victory for them and, and sets them up nicely for today. And I got to say, <clears throat> this is dominance. 62% from the field, 56 from three, and the Villanova Wildcats put a whooping. 92-69 over Miami. The Big East said, you know what, ACC, you can't, you can't rock everywhere. We, we, we are going to handle things. I think Jay Wright, look, this is um, the team in 09 made it to the Final Four. He could definitely have another Final Four team if they didn't have to bump up against Kansas. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, look, when Jenkins can come out and do what he's doing and Hart, uh, you know, uh, I, I just – I don't know. If Villanova was playing in another area – I would say that they could be – it could be Villanova-Kansas in the championship. I don't know if they could be North Carolina, but you know what I mean? The way that they're playing, Brunson and, and Archibald, and I mean, the way that – I mean, everybody is contributing, and this team is, is just dangerous. And when they shoot like that, Ray, what can you do? I mean, that's an insane – Well, that, that first half, both Miami and Villanova was just unbelievable. They both shot the ball – People were looking up like, I, I don't believe this. I mean, yeah. Larinaga and Jay Wright were thinking to themselves, this can't continue. So at the end of the day, though, I think Villanova has a lot of depth. And this kid, Ultrafu, I think he's the key to keeping everybody in place because they can spread you out. So they got the four guys on the outside, Jenkins and Hart and Archie Diacono uh, and even Brunson. They can spread you out. But the I love question is going to be – Reynolds off the bench is great. Yeah, that's your boy Reynolds. And, and, and it's funny because he was saying um, that since Scotty Reynolds, he <laughs> hasn't had a player like Chris Jenkins that is so confident that he thinks that every shot he can, every shot he puts up, he can make. So I tell you what, this Villanova team, man, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised, and I might have something for you when we start predicting the next round. Cause yeah, I'm sorry. It's, it's definitely I, it's something that's got to come out of Tay's mouth because, you know, I had them going far in, in most of my brackets, I would say, but I just – I wasn't trusting. Look, we've been all – have been burnt before by Villanova and Kansas, and – so you can be a little leery of picking them, but this Villanova team has blown me away. And uh, just uh, happy for Jay Wright. So, you know, great program, what he's built there. And, you know, they, um, they're for real. They are, are definitely for real. So Kansas, Maryland, my heart was broken. You know, the one thing I'll, I'll say, look, Kansas is great. And this um, Chris Jenkins, Perry Ellis matchup is going to be fantastic. But Kansas, 
79-63, there were points where you felt like Maryland could win the game and play with them, you know, the half, 36-34. But I think at the end of the day, Maryland has a lot of different issues where they rely too much on Melo Trembo for their offense. Everything's a high screen and, and roll or, or a screen and slip. They, the offense doesn't have enough flow to it. And I feel like they don't give you the defensive intensity that Kansas does. And there were some chippy fouls. You know, look, when you got Stone and, and Tremble and who else? And Suleiman with three fouls at the half, you know, all of them having two fouls, they got into some foul trouble. Kansas, to me, I was so impressed, and I just hated to watch it, but they are great defensively, and their offense is so efficient. They really don't make mistakes, Ray. Nobody's great, but they're all good enough. You know what I mean? And Perry Ellis, I got to give him credit. He's, he's really improved his game. What did he wind up with, 27, 29 points? He, he played great. I just wanted Maryland to win so bad, and I give Kansas their props. Congrats. Yeah, Kansas yeah. was the better team from from the beginning. I think Maryland would have needed to play up to their potential, and they didn't. I thought Suleiman was pressing a little bit. Tremble is is you know, needs to get better with the ball. He's a little weak with the ball, especially against that intense Kansas defense. Uh, you know, I, I gotta say this is disappointing as a as a impartial observer. You gotta think Carolina. I'm sorry, Maryland should have done better than a Sweet 16. Now, granted, they run up against Kansas, so that's that's. Yeah, but that's part of being a five seed. You know, you talk about seeding doesn't matter. Well, it kind of does because if you're a four or five, you're going to meet a one. Yeah, they should have been a three seed. uh, Well, they should have been a three seed on how they played the last month and a half. So they they got exactly what they deserved, which is to be a five seed, and and, uh, maybe they would have been a four seed. But you know what? They just didn't play well. So I got to say, all in all, uh, you know, you – it's funny how one game makes a season, but but if you think this is a Sweet 16 team, if you look at their roster, they're better than a Sweet 16 team. They're they're, uh, they're an Elite Eight, borderline hey, Final Four good. team. Jake Lehman is good. Did you see some of those dunks that Lehman had? He was. I'm nasty. telling you, Lehman is Lehman might be a sneaky good, you know, he, little pro. He's an prospect. NBA player. He's an NBA yeah. player. Let me ask you this about Suleiman. Does Suleiman get on an NBA roster? What is he, the backup uh, two-guard in the in the pros? Yeah, as a shooter. He could be. He could be. He plays a little um, defense. You know, he's sporadic. He could be, well, I, I mean, he's, he could be Gerald Henderson, right? Why can't he be somebody like that? Yeah. So Can he let's be Lexi talk about Galloway? Well, <laughs> watch yourself. Lexi is my man. Oregon <laughs> takes down Duke. You know, listen, they dominated them. It wasn't really close. Duke had some moments. I think at the end of the day, look, and, and Coach K lecturing uh, Dylan Brooks, he threw up the ball and made it a 30-foot shot at the end of the game. He probably shouldn't have shot it. But then, you know, I don't know, Coach K's like, oh, you're better than that. Don't do that. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. I, I don't have an issue with it on either end. Um, I'll say this. Oregon, like Villanova and Kansas, it, they – I didn't totally sleep on them because I thought that they were this good. But when you don't get to see them all the time and, you know, you're just, you know, they're holding the banner down for the Pac-12, you're pleasantly surprised because they've got a ton of talent. And 
Dylan Brooks is sort of like the president of the talent. I guess he's sort of their Perry Ellis in the sense of like, you know, heading up the, the gang, like the Kansas gang. But don't be fooled. Bell, I mean, the whole, the whole Oregon team is nice. And I think Oklahoma is going to have their hands full. And we'll talk about that in a second. But, Ray, they took care of Duke. And Duke, look, give them credit. With all the injuries and just not having a deep bench, I think they did the best they could. Grayson Allen could have played a lot better. Kennard didn't really show up. So it was just the Ingram show, and he didn't have enough, you know. So congrats to Oregon. Yeah, not much to say here. I will say that um, Duke, Duke. Ultimately, the ultimately short bench caught up to them. They just didn't have enough. You saw a Duke team playing zone that never <laughs> plays zone. Not only did they play zone, but they played it so poorly. Duke is not a good zone defensive team because they don't play it very often. It and horrible. once they went to the zone, it looked so desperate. It was, it was desperation time, and maybe they had to because of fouls and because of a you know, uh, six-man roster. Emil Jefferson, they never really overcame that. Uh, even though Plumlee played well second half of the season, it was just they just got outmatched, and and the world got to see this Oregon team, and they're really good. And this kid Dylan Brooks is really good. Really so good. I'm looking forward to the games today. Let's talk yeah, about it. Let's move it on. Well, let let's get elite, Ray. Um, we start off with Oregon, Oklahoma. By the time I get to Arizona, but it's Oklahoma. Next year is Arizona, the Final Four. That we will have to talk about. I think right now, honestly, I like the way Oklahoma's playing. Everybody seems to be kind of on all cylinders. And I have them in my Final Four, but guess what? Just like Indiana over Kentucky, I got to switch it up. What I've seen from the Ducks is complete balance, great coaching, uh, an emerging superstar, Dylan Brooks, going up against Buddy Hill, who's been a star. But Cousins concerned me. I think they've got stuff for Spangler, and I think they've got the athletes to match up with Hill. And I think the Oregon Ducks represent the Pac-12, and they win a close one, 79-76. Dylan Brooks, Bell, and the boys – Oregon advances to the final four. How about them Ducks? You know what? If this was a week ago, I'd pick Oklahoma, but I agree. I think the Oregon Ducks are tough. They showed me some serious toughness, and they stood up to Duke, and they said, look, we're ready. The game's in Anaheim, so it's uh, West Coast. I got to believe that there'll be a lot of Oregon folks representing down there in Southern California. And just like you saw Oklahoma play well, people have hung with Oklahoma. And Oklahoma hasn't has been in some tough games. So in some ways it builds character. But I think that this, this Ducks team is too deep. I think you start with Brooks, obviously. But then you got Cook and Dorsey and uh, Boucher and Benjamin and, and Bell. Bell. And they just keep coming at you. And I think Dana Altman's got these guys playing really well, and they have a chip on their shoulder. They have a chip on their shoulder for the Pac-12. They have a chip on their shoulder for not being considered a legit number one team. Everybody throughout most of the year would have thought that Oklahoma was the number one team. So I just feel like offensively they come at you. They have a little attitude. They have a chip on their shoulder. They're playing defense. 
They got the they swag. Got that, they definitely have the swag. So I agree. <laughs> Oregon. I'm taking Oregon in a close game, but I'm taking Oregon. I think okay. Buddy Hill's going to press a little too much and try to win the game, try to put the team on his, on his back, and I think Oregon keeps gets a lead and keeps a lead. Well, this one's going to be fascinating. I think we, we both could be leaning in the same direction. But at the end of the day, number another number one and number two, right? We got chalk over here. Kansas against Villanova. What I saw both these teams do really believe, you know, makes me believe both these teams can beat each other. Both could be are deserving of the Final Four. The only reason why I'm going with Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks to win this game is because defensively they're going to stop Villanova shooting. And it's from Selden to Ellis to Graham to Mason. When they get to playing the defense, the Kansas, the, the way that they play it and the way that they extend and deny, you know, screen. I mean, they just fight over everything. I think that will affect Villanova shooting. I don't think Villanova is going to rain the threes. They're going to be good because they're good. And I think Ellis will step up for Chris Jenkins. And I think they find a way to win a scrappy game. I'm going to say the Kansas Jayhawks are cutting down the nets in this region from the south. And they are going to Houston to the final four, 75-73. Close game, little basket at the end from your boy uh, Graham, maybe. Hits one. Devontae. Okay. Okay. So there's every reason to think that Kansas is going to win this game. They're the number one overall seed. They played in the Big 12, which maybe is the best conference this year in terms of elite at the top of the conference talent. They went up against Oklahoma a couple times, had some tough games. They played from behind. They came back. They came. So all the reasons tell you that Kansas is going to win. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying Villanova's going to win, baby. <laughs> I saw you still love the Big East. Cats. You still love everybody. You still love the Big East. That's all. I still love the Big East. That's obvious. But, you know, if St. John's were in the tournament, I think they could win it all. Uh, but Villanova, man, I'm telling you, they a chip on their shoulder. Archie Diacono feels like he's been there for eight years. Daniel Ochefu feels like he's been there for eight years. But you know what? The key, I think, is Hart and Jenkins. If those guys can contribute consistently like they have been so far in the tournament, I just feel as if Kansas doesn't really run away from you or or run away from this Villanova team. Perry Ellis is good. Selden is good. Mason Jr. is good. All these guys are good. They're very good players. They're excellent college players. I just feel... That Villanova, maybe I'm getting sentimental because of the 85 team. Maybe I'm thinking that, you know, they were in the Final Four and they're ready. This team, to me, feels as if they're playing really well together. They have so much confidence. Anybody can hit the three, and anybody can hit that deep clutch shot. I worry a little bit about them on on the boards. Um, yeah, you know, you because it. it really comes down to Hart and Ochefu on the on the boards. Um, but if this game, if they don't get punished on the boards, I feel as if they can stretch you out. They run great offensive sets, and their senior leadership, I think, is going to be just enough 
to beat Kansas. So I'm taking Villanova. I'll I'll even give you a score. You know I don't like to give scores, but I'll give you a score. 77-75. High-scoring game. Both of these teams can play deep, but I think that they're just going to be raining threes. I like Villanova by a bucket. Yeah, you can't be mad at that. Listen, it's it's, it's a toss-up. I think maybe I'm picking Kansas just because I beat my Terps, but I definitely like Nova as well. But I, Kansas, they, they, they really impressed me. So we got one different on that side. We both have Oregon. Let's talk about Syracuse, Virginia, a 10 against a 1. Tomorrow, Easter Sunday. Wow, this, this right here. Listen, they're not your regular 10 seed, so don't get caught up. This is not going to be a blowout by Virginia. I think the way Syracuse plays zone, these teams know each other from the ACC, don't know with the schedule if they play. I think they might only played each other once this year. You know, with so many teams in the conference, they don't do the home-and-home with everybody yet. So I'm not too sure about that. But what I am sure about is Virginia is going to win the game. I just don't think they're going to blow Syracuse out. I like the way Syracuse has their heart, their hustle. Everybody seems to contribute. They, they, the, the zone, to me, is going to affect Virginia, but like Gonzaga being able to attack it inside with Sabonis and then shooting with Wiltshire, I was surprised they didn't get up on Wiltshire enough. Now, Virginia doesn't have great shooters, but I think Brogdon and Gill and some of their other scorers they're going to find a way to chip away, get some points, maybe even get some, you know, steals because their defensive intensity is no joke. And they can maybe turn over Robeson, although Robeson would turn them over too. I mean, this guy's been playing great. I'll say Virginia beat Syracuse 74-69. They they win a good close, you know, close ACC battle. They played once in the regular season. Oh, okay, that's what I thought about. Yeah, and Syracuse lost by eight, right? So Virginia won 73-65. This team, to me, Syracuse, is especially potent when you haven't seen them before. But they did see them. And this Virginia team is probably as complete a team as you get because by going through stretches where they didn't score – they actually found a way ways to win, and now that they're scoring, well, they've always they always play D. And now that they're scoring, they are quite the team. I'm telling you, this team is tough. They're dangerous. So I like Virginia a lot. I think Syracuse's run ends here. I think Syracuse goes down and then just gets frustrated and starts jacking up threes and trying to get back into the game. Benajay gets taken out of the game. Malcolm Brogdon is the best player we talked about. He's the best player nobody talks about. He's a top five player, and he plays both sides. So I think you you don't think it's a blowout. I think it's a blowout. I think second wow. half, Virginia runs away from them, and they win, say, 79-63. Okay. I just don't think Syracuse has enough firepower. In the other ACC regional, <laughs> number one, North Carolina plays the number six, Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. Um, listen, North Carolina put a whoop on them in the ACC tournament. 
seventy-eight forty-seven. Oof. Yeah, we all remember that whooping, and I think Notre Dame remembers it. I like Notre Dame's heart, their hustle, August Jackson, their seniors. It's too much posse, ladies and gentlemen. Johnson, Meeks, Hicks, Page, Barry, Jackson. It's too much. I mean, this is the Jackson five and then some. Throw in, you know, Reby, Latoya, and Janet. It's Jackson eight. Okay, so. Tito, Jermaine, all of them. Yeah, it's all of them. It's eight, you know. They come eight deep at least. So, um, and I don't know if North Carolina is going to shoot as well as they did last night. Probably won't, but I don't think it will matter. I think August will be in foul trouble battling against all of those guys, Johnson. And, and honestly, right now, Demetrius Jackson, he's turning the corner on Cats. But guess what? Bryce Johnson and Hicks, these guys are blocking shots like 8-10 a game. It's no joke what Bryce Johnson is doing defensively. I think North Carolina pulls away. Notre Dame has heart, and they've got some luck on their side, so they'll keep it close. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be like, 85-71, North Carolina is going to the Final Four. Well, you know, the people in Vegas agree, but they even think it'll be more extreme. They have Carolina's 10-point favorite. When was the last time a, 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 an Elite Eight game, a game to go to the Final Four was a 10-point spread? Hey, I think Virginia's that was about more than 10. <laughs> right. Syracuse, Virginia's 8, and Syracuse is a 10-seed. So I think a lot of it is influenced by the fact that Carolina won by 30 in the ACC championship. I don't think Carolina will win by that much because I think if you see a team for the third time, you're going to be ready for that team. Mike Bray's going to have his team ready. Jackson and uh, the big fella, August, are, are uh, definitely game to give Carolina – you know, at least a run for the money. I think foul trouble will eventually catch up. Carolina's too deep, too big. I don't think Carolina's going to shoot as well, like you said, as well as they did. But the size, and they just wear you out. And it's 40 minutes you have to play against Carolina. So the way I see it going is Notre Dame plays well in the first half, and they just run out of steam in the second half. Carolina for the first time, actually dominated a team, Indiana, start to finish. But most of the time, Carolina lets you hang around. And then they eventually pull away. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I, I got Carolina by five or six. I think it's going to be a closer game. I don't think it's going to be a 30-point blowout like it was in the five ACC championship. But I, definitely wow. like, I definitely like Carolina in this game. You get confident. Two weeks ago, you beat a team by 30. You might not take them as seriously as you should. Okay, I you know I I don't know if Notre Dame when it comes down to it though the dogs man they don't have the dogs but they're scrappy so I'm not you know, picking them to win <laughs> no I know you just you just like it close you just want that close clean shape well look so basically right now the only thing that we have different is Villanova Kansas we just both pick Virginia and North Carolina. We both have Oregon. Ray has got Villanova, and Tay's got Kansas. So that's the final four. Enjoy the games. It's going to be fun. Let's get let's, let's switch it up. Let's talk a little NFL, Ray. Um, a lot went down this week. We had rule changes. We have 
crazy sort of maybe to some shocking or surprising uh, signing. So let's talk about the, the rules. Um, you know, these owner meetings, <laughs> I don't know. I, sometimes I laugh, like when your boy comes out of the, the, the Dallas Cowboys. Matter of fact, let, let, let me get in the mood here. Let's, let's really get in the mood. You are now listening to the NFL Talk. That makes me feel better. That makes me feel better. So Jerry Jones with the concussion, you know, trying to say that it's not, you know, caused by football. And then Roger says, oh, we kind of agree with what Jeff Miller said. They kind of are not on the same page. It's sloppy. It's a mess. But anyway, this leads to concussions because now touchbacks are going to be at the 25-yard line instead of the 20. So it's only one year implemented for one year. The extra point is permanent from the 15-yard line. So when you do that, now teams will probably kick it higher and try to kick it to the 10 or the 5, and then there might be more returns, which could lead to more crashes and more concussions. What do you think the NFL is doing here? Because it doesn't seem to add up. What are your thoughts? I don't get it at all. <laughs> you should make the kickoff at the 15 to incent teams to kick it out of the end zone so that you don't have crashes and you don't – I mean, eventually we talked about this off air. Yeah. The NFL might want to eliminate kickoffs altogether because that's very violent, even more so than a normal play from scrimmage where you got 11 guys running full steam ahead. Well, maybe not the kicker, 10 guys <laughs> running full steam ahead to try and hit the other team. So they took away certain things like you can't make a wedge anymore. That's more than two people, and, and you can't uh, you know really protect the runner like you would before. But I don't get it. It should be in the other direction. It should be the 15 or the 10 because you want to get people – to sign the kicker with the big leg that kicks it out of the end zone where you don't have any contact on the on the kickoff. I think that's where the NFL would be safest. And if you start so at the 15, the, it's more fantasy football stats to drive down the field. Yeah, and by putting – well, your scoring would go down a little bit, though, but you'd get more yards potentially. Yeah. This moving to the 25, I don't even get it. I, I don't understand why. What's the point of it? So, to me, it's, it's completely counterintuitive. Would love to get somebody from the NFL on the show to explain it to us. I, I don't get that one bit. I think you're right, Ray, to go in the wrong direction. I, I've never even thought about starting it at the 15 for a touchback. That's actually probably a great idea. The 10, that's a little too dangerous, close for comfort to safeties and stuff, and, you know, penalties getting pushed back. But the 15 – you know, even if you get a 10-yard penalty, you know, you still got a little, yeah, little bit of space. Yeah, at that point, perhaps a distance, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that, that that's a good way. They got rid of the chop blocking. But let's talk about it. RG3 gets signed, two-year deal, $3 million, 3.2 guarantee, can get up to $15 million with the Cleveland Browns. Do you think two things? Does this still keep them in the place at number two, if he's there, that they would draft Carson Wentz? Or do they totally trade down, try to improve their roster with defense or offensive line and roll with RG3? Now, remember, they're already saying McCown is on the trading block. So what does this all mean for Cleveland Brown fans? So it's interesting that the player in question is RG3. 
I think that they should do exactly what the Rams did to the Redskins to get RG3, which is to trade down and get a whole bunch of draft picks and some talent and pick somewhere mid-first round and go get yourself a quarterback, either trade back into the first round like they did at number 22 to get – you know, it's funny. Did you look at their stats? They they took Brady Quinn at 22. Oh, yeah. Wheat <laughs> at 22. And Manziel at 22. So oh, yeah. they love that number 22 slot. Well, they better not love it anymore because it's all been bad. <laughs> Well, exactly. So trade either trade back into the second round, or at the top, of, or in the first round, or at the top of the second round, go get yourself a quarterback. So I would definitely well, trade that pick. pick. They do have the thirty-second pick because of the Patriots not being there, so they really don't need to make any trades at that point. They could get a Paxton Lynch, a Cardell Jones, Cody Kessler, Kevin Hogan, and let Hugh Jackson develop somebody. They don't have to try to get Carson. Yeah, Wentz I, I think that roster needs so much talent that Ugh. they need to trade down. I don't like Carson Wentz as a number two overall pick. He might be a player. I'm not sure, but I'm not willing to put a number two overall. A number two pick has to be a franchise difference maker for 10 years. He might be, but I'm not sure that a kid from North Dakota State who had a great team, you know, a great year. He looks good, ready. Ray. To step. He, like he, he does, sure. he does, and he has the physical tools, and, and you could argue, you know, uh, uh, Joe Flacco transferred from Pitt to Delaware, and that your boy uh, out in Arizona, right, he was at, what, Idaho Idaho State, um, uh, your boy. Palmer? Yeah, no, no, not Carson Palmer, um, oh, Kurt Warner. Oh, Kurt Warner, Kurt that's Warner. right, Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa. Northern yeah. Iowa. Sorry, he was at Northern Iowa. So there's some players that are borderline Hall of Famers that went to small schools. No problems. No problems with that at all. I just, right. mm, I don't know. Number two overall pick, you you got to make a difference for my franchise. Not sure that I'm willing to put that on Carson Wentz, especially when you don't have the tools around him yet. That's that's fair. Listen, they we don't know about Josh Gordon. They lost Travis Benjamin. So right now. What do they have in wide receiver? I mean, they don't, you know, they've got a tight end, yeah, but Gary Barnett, you can't put everything on him. They don't, you know, they're not super legit at running back. Right, they lost their center too. Could, yeah, a lot of people could say that they could trade down um, and not even get a quarterback into the third or fourth round, and you could still get a Cardell Jones, local favorite, and develop him as a third or fourth round pick, which I think would be smart and Either way, you either roll with RG3 or develop him, and you still have Connor Shore on the roster. So I'd rather do that, see if you can trade down to six or seven, maybe let the Niners go up if they want to get Goth or Wentz, and maybe you can get Ezekiel Elliott or Jalen Ramsey, and then at 32, you can go get one of these receivers, whoever's left, if Josh Dobson falls down to 32, which would be great from TCU. You know, there's a lot of talent out there, and they need a lot of help, so – that's what I would do. They could definitely use offensive linemen since they just lost Alex Mack at center and Schwartz to the Falcons. So they, they, they've got to, you know, they've got to do something. Um, <clears throat> but what does this tell you about Kaepernick? Will he stay with the Niners? Will the Broncos say, wait a minute, we got to get him or Fitz. April 4th is coming. His contract will be guaranteed for what? 12 million. What do you think happens with Kaepernick in this next week and a half? 
So I think Kaepernick should stay in San Francisco, frankly, uh, and and try out. Look, if you're a guy with an unorthodox NFL skill set, which he has, I mean, he's not your pure pocket passer, but he can run like hell. But he's still got a great arm. I mean, this is a guy I would be excited actually to be. Now I don't know who his receiving core is. We have to work on that because we haven't Bolden even is, signed Anquan Bolden yet. It's Tory Smith. I know that's that, so. That's a problem. But you know yeah. what? I would want to work with the boy genius, you know, the offensive boy genius of the NFL these days. So, but he doesn't trust know, Trent Bulky. He has got beef in the locker room from dating Alden Smith's uh, woman or ex-girl. I don't know if he feels confident or comfortable there. I, no, That's I, why I, I think I, he I, wants I, to I trade. Agree with that. I agree with that. All the off-the-field stuff, I agree that he wants it's to go. Messy. And he's made it clear that he wants to go. But he yeah, should stay in Chip Kelly's office. I think it would be very interesting. Why not to Kubiak and Elway? I think he's better off in Kubiak and Elway. In Kubiak's offense. Heavy run, great defense. It's sort of like the San Francisco team that he won with, right? Yeah, but I want to see Colin make plays. Uh, you're right, though. <laughs> but think about it. Musical chairs, musical chairs. So Colin Kaepernick and Ryan Fitzpatrick are the only two Remaining. Call them legitimate NFL starters out there. And you have the Jets, the Niners, and the Broncos. So those two players can't be on three teams. So which of those three teams are going to have those two players? I mean, right now, my guess is they both stay home and the Denver Broncos are left out. The other option, I mean, you and I both agree he should go to Denver. I mean, logic would say he should go to Denver, but I, I, those two teams, I mean, maybe maybe the Broncos are just smart and they're just waiting them out. I think right? the Broncos maybe Elway, Maybe Elway is savvy and, and knows that April 2nd is coming and is just waiting to get him on the cheap. I agree, but I also think the Broncos have a little bit of confidence and arrogance in the fact that they just won with not great production at quarterback, and they feel that Sanchez and or pick 31, Paxton Lynch, if he's there, that they can do what they need to do, maybe even trade for Josh McCown, um, or Mike Glennon, and I think the Broncos will wind up doing a combination of, of those things. And if they got to go with Glennon, McCown, or Sanchez, they're ready to roll. And I do think they'll draft somebody, whether it's at 31 or their 60, you know, three pick or whatever. But I think you'll see them scoop up a quarterback, and I think that they'll develop somebody. So we'll see what happens. You know, real quick before we leave and get to the NBA. What do you think about the, the – man, the Patriots always are sneaky. You get a veteran receiver in Nate Washington. Do you like that? I like that. I kind of like that. <laughs> well, he can still play. Yeah. I think that helps Brady. I still think they might need to draft somebody. They don't have, like, a number one on the outside. They've got a bunch of guys, you know. Nate's, like, a number two maybe. And then you have Wes uh, – not Wes Walker. Julian Edelman and Mandola. They got rid of LaFell. They don't have any size. You'd like to see them, you know, Nate's not a big guy either. You'd like to see them still do something to get uh, some sort of size or help or something. Let's get to this NBA, man. They both keep winning. And honestly, I think when you look at the Warriors and Spurs, we have Spurs Thunder tonight, Warriors Wizards tonight. Good rematch from their early season matchup where the, you know, Wizards went off and Warriors went off and Warriors won. 
But right now, you, you told me in April 1st when we came back from this whole tournament or Monday, April 4th, championship night, that they might have nine losses. They're 65 and 7. Uh, the Golden State Warriors going to win 73 or 74 games to break the Bulls' record, right? think so, but now I do. They really want this, and they're young enough, right? If this was San Antonio, Popovich would reel them back and say, look, that's not important. What's important is the championship. And they're doing it with injury. No Bogut, no Iguodala, no Azili. That's incredible. That really is incredible. And you know what? Tip your cap to this team. They are a phenomenal team uh, in every sense of the word. They have the star player, and whether it's this era or the other era, it doesn't matter. He plays right now in this era with these rules, and he's the most deadly shooter possibly of all time off the dribble. I mean, this guy is just is just unbelievable. He makes shots. He's influencing the game so much so, and maybe in a negative way, that yeah. – Fools at, 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 in college, and maybe even in high school, but in the pros, think they can make 25-footers. Guys, it's a terrible shot. Unless <laughs> Steph Curry is shooting it, it's terrible. Don't ever yeah. shoot a 25-footer. Unless the shot clock is running out, don't ever shoot that shot. I don't care if you're open. 25 feet from the basket, your, your shooting percentage is like 20%. Don't shoot that shot. He's, <laughs> but he's so special. think it's easy. But, Ray, he's so special that, number one, two things. They already broke the three-pointers uh, three made record from the Rockets two years ago, and they still got, what, 10 games left? So they already did that. Then they might get 1,000 three-pointers. They're on pace to get 1,000 three-pointers, and Clay Thompson's on pace to get 300 made uh, if he you know, stays on the pace. He's got 246 now. So just some crazy stats. I got to ask you this. Can the Spurs – only lose one more to also win 70 games. Have two teams in one season both win 70-plus. You think the Spurs can do it, or maybe they lose two more and get to No, 69? I think Pop reels them back. Just like yeah. they won that big game they won against Golden State, they ended up losing on the Monday, the, the next yeah, Monday, the to Charlotte. Yeah. So I think they'll lose two, maybe two or three more, even San Antonio. They'll, they'll start to pack it in. They're not going to play their players. They're going to rest Timmy. They're going to rest Lamarcus. They're going to rest, um, you know, all these young guys, Kawhi Leonard, maybe Tony Parker. Off and on, I think five, six guys are going to rest from now on every game. So, no, I, I don't think San Antonio is going to do it. But I, I'm now starting to think for sure Golden State is uh, – I mean, they're probably – two or three to one to, to break the record now. Yeah, I, I, I got them for 73 wins. It's um, it's incredible. I would think they might lose one or two more just because of the um, the injuries. On the back end of the Western Conference, this is kind of fascinating. Look, these guys are all basically tied up. Jazz, Mavericks, and Rockets. It seems like the Rockets, they just had a good win. They played the Cavaliers, I think, uh, Sunday. Do the Rockets make it in, and then who makes it well, between Dallas? Well, throw the Blazers in there, too. The Blazers are only well, yeah, up by Blazers, one game. Yeah, only up by one game. They're playing better, though, I think. I don't know. I trust the Blazers more than I trust the other guys. James Harden had a triple-double last night. He's playing great, but those guys are clowns to me. I think they'll make the playoffs whether they're seven or eight. I'm just surprised at Dallas, the way that they've crashed and slipped. Chandler Parsons, you know, a, a major piece of that. 
does Utah surpass them? Which would be a good look for the Jazz to get in the playoffs. Do the Mavericks find themselves out, and do they have to rebuild for next year? And maybe Dirk leaves. What What do you think could happen there? I think Dirk has given back enough on his salary that I don't think Dirk's the problem. I think Dirk, you just need to build around Dirk. You need to find talent and build around Dirk. And the problem is every year drafting in the 20s, Dallas is, you know, they don't have the right, talent. Right, and they're not getting the bigger free agents. But that's what I'm saying. Is it well, time they almost got DeAndre Jordan. So, so how would this team have been different this year if their front court was Parsons, Jordan, and, uh, and um, Dirk? It would have been better. Better, but still not elite. I mean, you don't think you don't think this team is no. better than the Clippers at I four. would have had them maybe maybe they'd have been maybe over Memphis. Maybe five with the Grizzlies five. or six with the five Blazers. Six. Yeah, five or six. You're right. So You're right. the bottom of this West is very interesting. You like Portland. They're playing well. Houston is so unpredictable. You know, maybe Dallas and Utah flip-flop. I could I'd see love it. to see this Utah team. Why not? Gordon Hayward, the young stud, and obviously that front court, right? Gold and Rodney Hood. Favors. Rodney Hood's and up Rodney, the most the lefty. Food, right? He always got to have a lefty. Where is my lefty? He you is got to have a left-handed baller. No, he is. He is. And, yeah, and is. on the wings. And you know what? And and when, they're, when they want to, they can clamp down. They can play some D. So – I like this Utah team because if you, all these other all those other teams, Houston plays no D, Portland plays no D, plays no D, Memphis <laughs> when they want to plays defense right. Oh, so Memphis plays teams, D. They wake up and play defense, right? They wake up, right? They, but but the problem is sometimes Memphis goes to sleep and forgets. It's it's almost like they're that veteran team that that clamps down when they want to or when they need to, but Utah. They're a team that consistently plays defense, and that's why I like them against these teams because when it comes down to these last 10 games, they're almost like playoff games. And what do we know about playoff games? They're played slow. They're played half court. They're played on offensive execution. So the teams that play deep and can score in the half court, so deliberate half court scoring, those are those teams that, that to look for. So I, I would love to see this Utah team – surprise people and, and take one of those spots. You know what? I had enough of Dallas in Houston, especially when they have the roster, but they're just underachieving, specifically Houston. Real quick in the East, I, I just want to say this. I think LeBron's bored with all this social media foolishness that's been going on, but I also feel like there's something legit to him talking about wanting to play with Wade, Melo, and Chris Paul, I don't know if it could happen logistically in Cleveland, L.A., New <laughs> York. But I'll say this. They lost to Brooklyn the other night, and it was after all that stuff. And he had 36-5. and five. He's been on a tear. I mean, getting crazy points, assists, rebounds. He's been averaging, you know, he's only was scoring like 24 games this year. He's dropped down a little bit. He's not in the top five anymore. But – He's been getting busy lately, and I, I kind of feel like if they don't win this year, LeBron might be ghost. I, I, I don't know why I feel Where that. Or he going? might. Okay, well, I don't know. but Or maybe he demands a trade of love for Melo or something. I don't – something's going to happen if they don't win this year. I'm just telling you that's all I'm saying. I got to tell you. I got to tell you something. 
about LeBron. March LeBron's 26, in trouble. Hey, Senate. He's a baby. LeBron's but in trouble because yeah. if he doesn't feel like this Cleveland team is going to win, I don't think there's any other scenario out there for him. Carmelo is on the downside of his career. Chris Paul is eh, maybe. Oh, I agree. Squeak, Those guys can't beat Golden State so, on the Spurs together. And you right know, now. Wade and Wade, with his physical limitations, can only go sixty games a year during a regular season and then maybe in the playoffs you you also have to watch his minutes so those guys that he wants to play with are not russell westbrook kevin durant if he said those guys i want to play with steph russell westbrook kevin durant those are young guys these guys are old now so if that's the guys you want to play with you're not winning a championship because not only do you have to make all these machinations to make this work but salary cap wise i'm not sure you're going to get players a, that want to play with all these guys, and B, you're not going to get the young studs that you need because these guys are all over the hill. LeBron needs to win this in Cleveland. And think about if LeBron leaves Cleveland for the I second know. time. I know, I know, I can't That's not happening. LeBron cannot leave Cleveland until he wins a championship or, or you know, retires trying. If he wins this year, he might just leave. Real if quick, he wins this real, year, that's something different. Then yeah. the world is his oyster, right? He's real got quick, three championships. In the show, Ray, I gotta tell you, I gotta say this about baseball. Our preview is, is coming up on um, either what we're we gonna do Friday, April first. Yeah, Friday, April first. Friday, April first, MLB preview show with Ray and Tay. But I gotta say this: nineteen and four, the Arizona Diamondbacks are going crazy. It is spring training. It's preseason baseball. And they want a new stadium. They said they need $187 million in improvements or else they're breaking their lease with Chase Field. And Arizona's going crazy. Like, wait a minute. The stadium looks fine. It's only – it was in 1998, less than 20 years old. Now, how crazy is that? That you, you need to bring – where are the architects? It's an 18-year-old stadium, and it's already too – and it's too outdated? They said it's too dark. It doesn't have good oh. light. It doesn't have this, that. Which is all true, but I mean, Ray, I, I can't fathom two thirds of it is publicly funded, and you're going to ask people in this, you know, day and age to, you know, I, I'm, they're bugging. They're bugging. So, anyway, but I'll say this we'll talk about our picks, but I think the Diamondbacks are going to be a playoff team this year. They're legit. I know you do. I know you do. Zach Granky bringing you Granky, to the playoffs. You better watch out. So, listen, enjoy the Elite Eight today, tomorrow. You know, enjoy Easter Sunday, family time, whatever. And, like always, a great show. We will be back on Monday to talk a little bit about that Final Four and break down the Elite Eight games. Enjoy the rest of the sports weekend. And uh, thanks for listening. We're out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.